0: to Part 3 of our ongoing coverage of Oliver J. Flanagan here on Running Unopposed. I think this is Episode 14. Listener, I hope you had a good week. Uh, I hope the team you wanted to win the Super Bowl won the Super Bowl. Uh, We're recording this beforehand, so I don't know who won yet. But hope it was a good game enjoyed by all. Who is playing the Chiefs and who else? The Bengals. Wait, not the the Bengals. Fuck. No, it's the Chiefs and the Philly, The Eagles. Why can't I talk? I, I okay, don't know Okay, I knew one of them was the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs and the Eagles. Okay, gotcha. Why did I think the Bengals? I don't know where I got that from.
1: All right, so uh, Thomas, back you to with part us? four.
0: Or, yes, or part yes.
1: three, rather, of Oliver J. Flanagan with our guest,
0: Thomas. That's right. Yes. So we left off last time. Oliver J. Flanagan had collapsed the government twice between mm-hmm. 1943 and 1951. And he was involved in a complex scheme involving a Russian British con man and uh, whiskey sales that never went anywhere. Yeah,
2: and just accusing the government of being corrupt with no basis.
0: That's a classic running unopposed coverage move.
2: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, last we left him, yeah, he'd, uh, using the power of being petty, he'd uh, collapse two governments. And now he's back in opposition as a result of that fact. Uh, in 1951, Fianna Fáil come back to power and he returns to being some nobody in the opposition. Uh, or at least a nobody to most, not nobody to Fianna Fáil, because Fianna Fáil hate his guts. They spend the uh, a good amount of time uh, jeering at him anytime he speaks. Uh, they call him perjurer. And he's just not having a great time. Uh, specifically, uh, he's... <laughs> He's not just their punching bag, he turns out to be God's punching bag because he spends months in hospital in 1951. (laughs) Did
1: people. Did that. Did his prolonged uh, battles with various illnesses give him like did those earn him any crazy nicknames or no
2: no afraid not the only uh that he gets a couple of nicknames uh one of which is uh he was called a right-wing ogre at one point and uh if you just (laughs) look at him you'll you'll know why
0: yeah Uh, no that's that's an
2: insult that's not really a nickname no he uh he, he, he was
0: nicknamed old iron liver flanagan
2: yeah, he, he gets various insults and nicknames at him, um, but no, uh, for health, it was more like a, a constant question throughout his political career was, hey, are you going to be well enough to run in the next election?
0: That's That's so cool that he was just on the verge of death for like 40 years <laughs> and still managed to collapse the government twice. In a weird yeah. way, that's kind of inspiring. That was...
1: He was kind of a proto Bolsonaro, if you will, is constantly getting these various ailments that like you thought would have died out when I don't know, like quinine medicine came like came into existence, he keeps getting into like some random accident that happens because he tried to he unsuccessfully tried to like build like a Batmobile replica or something in his own house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would love to take a ride on the Oliver J. Flanagan Batmobile. Oh, that would be glorious.
1: When you said take a ride, I thought you were gonna say like Oliver, like Jay Flanagan roller coaster at like Universal Studios or something.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's one of those like themed roller coasters, but it's anti-Semitic somehow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, he's in the hospital. He's getting bullied, um, but he's not it's the like only. The, it's a
0: small world ride. That version of, it's the it's a small world ride, but from the version where the Nazis won World War Two. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking it was just, like, inspired by, like, the goblins
1: in
2: Harry Potter. Yeah, that works, too. <laughs> uh, he'd be a great fan of the goblins. <laughs> he really would be. Uh, so, yeah, he's not the only one getting bullied in this period. Um, uh, we mentioned Paddock last time, the uh, ex-communist who opposed Ireland getting martial aid. He was also uh, bullied quite a lot in the doll of the Sierra because of his, uh, quote-unquote, red sympathies. And uh, even Oliver J. Flanagan joined in with uh, a couple of jabs on him. Even Oliver J. Flanagan, in the middle what? of a 1952 debate, uh, joined in on jabbing at uh, Patrican. Oh, so he, man, he, uh, no loyalty among independents. I know, yeah, none. Uh, like he, he, even uh, if Oliver J. Flanagan's getting bullied, there's someone still below him, and he needs to put the boot in. Yeah, that's that's the
0: fascist mindset. So that makes sense. Yeah. It seems like he, up to this
1: point though, unlike a lot of the other people we cover on the podcast, isn't really that delusional about his power. Even though he doesn't really have any important positions, he does manage to collapse governments, A. And B, it seems like he isn't trying to constantly achieve glory as long as he has someone beneath him who he can also bully.
2: Oh, yeah, he's a perfect middle manager, yeah. And he talks about this in his own uh, life at certain points, like with interviews at him of like, I never had any ambitions for great power. I just wanted to sort of be a middleman, basically.
1: Be a guy. So in other words, like you want to be the guy who had an extraordinary amount of power through his uh, sheer ability to just obstruct things as opposed to actually having like a position that gave him that power.
2: Yeah. He was just standard for the vibes. Absolutely. And speaking of a vibe, uh, of Oliver J. Flanagan's, in the middle of a 1952 debate, Flanagan shouted out "salami" to get the attention of the doll. For absolutely no reason and with no provocation, he then declared, "I want to take the opportunity to call Deputy Cowan a dirty rat!
1: Who is Deputy Cowan?
2: Uh, Pater Cowan, the guy I mentioned before. The uh... mm. Patter
0: Cowan, the communist, right?
2: Yeah, the the ex-communist. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay.
0: Ex-communist. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can believe,
2: right? <laughs> uh, so he screams out that uh, Deputy Cowan is a dirty rat. He's ordered to recant, uh, which he refuses because Deputy Cowan is a dirty rat. And then he was thrown <laughs> out the doll. That's kind of funny, I can't lie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, I get that he was bad, but that is kind of funny, to refuse to recant your stupid insult
1: yeah that has happened in british parliament as well like there have been cases where the speaker will say you need to withdraw the mark and they go no i won't so they get kicked out for the rest of
0: the day didn't john mcdonald get kicked out for calling david cameron something
1: no it was dennis skinner Dennis Skinner. what he called him dodgy dave
0: dodgy dave hell yeah (laughs) dodgy dave would be a sick rap name there is a little original about a rapper named dave you mean the rapper Dave?
1: Yes. I didn't realize that was like a real rapper. I thought that was just like a show where like he plays a rapper named Dave. No, oh, yeah. He's a British guy.
0: Oh, is he Is he like famous? He had that super big hit in the UK. I forget what it was called. Oh, uh, okay. I don't follow music, so. Yeah, I have no idea if the show's about him. I just know that was a guy.
2: Fair enough. Uh, I can't say I've heard of it, so. Yeah. Right, so let's see. Uh, Cowan, and after that point, that same year, 1952, Flanagan found a juicy target to attack in revenge for Fianna Fáil's slights. The Kerry oh TD, John Flynn. So, little background on Flynn. Flynn had been a Fianna Fáil TD from 1932 to 1943. However, allegations that he'd had a child out of wedlock led de Valera to axe him as a candidate. But Brutal. F- Flynn denied the rumors always and successfully ran as an independent in 1948 and was welcomed back to Fianna Fáil in 1951 when the whole thing had
1: blown over. I have a quick question. How did he manage to win as like even tarnished by the scandal? Because in most countries, like in the US, for example, that would sink you. But in a country as Catholic as Ireland and as dominated by the church as Ireland in the 1940s, I don't see how he would have ever gotten elected to office after this rumor was going about.
2: Basically, just saying not true, and uh, he had a good reputation in the local area. He'd been, if I remember rightly, John Flynn had like fought in the War of Independence. So mm. basically, people are like, okay, well, if if uh, John says it's not true, I guess it's not true then. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. If Johnny Boy says it's not true, it must not be true. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do Irish accent. I can't do any accents when I'm doing, like, the voice training. So I just have to do dumb voices instead. (laughs) Every time you do an accent, it comes across as Southern or
1: really bad Brooklyn accent. And I don't know why. Because those are the only two
0: types of people I interact with. Sure.
2: (laughs) So we have Flynn. And this is all going on in the background with him. And in January 1952 the dog was going through fairly standard procedures and reading out the business of the day. Finnegale TD Liam Cosgrave clarified at one point that he made no reference to an adoption of children bill, and Flanagan quipped that Deputy Flynn would be more qualified to do that.
0: (laughs) Again, I... I hate him. He's a bad person, but that is
1: kind yeah. of fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, he was trying to roast him by saying he should sponsor an adoption of children, Bill? That, yeah, uh, which is pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. It's like amusing. I don't know. I feel like there's better in, there's better ways to insult someone.
2: Maybe, but it, it was quite an effective way to insult Flynn, because Flynn did not appreciate the remark one bit.
1: <laughs> he grabbed
2: Flanagan. Called him yes. an a quote unquote uh, obnoxious expression, which has now been lost to history, and punched him in the face.
0: Yes, we love a parliamentary fist fight on this podcast.
1: <laughs> we have actually—I don't know if we have ever covered a parliamentary fist fight on this podcast prior to now, have we? I don't think we have. No, no, because a lot of the like the parliamentary stuff we covered, besides Mogan's glee strip, was American, and I feel like un- like. Not since, like, I don't know, the 1850s. Has there been, like, a well-known fist fight that broke out on
0: the in the halls of Congress? Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: No, not really. But this is... That's so cool. Who won the fight? Do we know?
2: Uh, well, it was basically one punch thrown from Flynn, and uh, Flanagan got a, a, a right big uh, smack in the face, and both men were reprimanded for their conduct.
1: Ah. Any other punishment? So just, like, he got Don't do it again. Slept.
2: Yeah, basically, don't do it again, uh, Flanagan. Don't provoke people like that, and Flynn, don't punch people in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, that's probably good for Flanagan. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Flanagan a pretty small guy?
2: Yeah, he, he was. He was uh, fairly small. Yeah.
1: Was Flynn tall, or was he probably just taller than him?
2: Uh, I, I'd say anyone was taller than Flanagan at this point in history.
0: Oh, Wait, how he, like, tall was two? Flanagan?
2: Uh, he was not very tall. If you look up some pictures of Flanagan and see him in comparison to other people, you will notice how short he is.
1: That's uh, is huh. he under five five?
2: I have no idea. I, I I I assure you, I went looking to try and find his height. I could not find it.
0: <laughs> but he was very short. That that makes sense. That's he does have sort of short guy energy.
2: Mm. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, just thinks he's a yeah. uh, uh, king shit. You know?
0: Yeah. My message to uh, all short men who listen to this podcast, by the way, is uh, try estrogen. It works. (laughs) I don't think it makes you taller. It made me taller. I'm dead serious. (laughs) You probably weren't done growing. I started it at age 21.
1: I mean, I'm probably not done growing. What? I don't know. I grew until I was like 20 or 21. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm like three inches taller than I was when I graduated high
0: school. That is true. You are. You did sort of have a weird late growth spurt. No, like weirdly late. Yeah. You're like the hmm. definition of a late bloomer. You didn't get hot until you were like 19. <laughs> I'll cut this. Don't worry. No, keep it. I need
1: uh, all two of our listeners. I think I need to. Uh... You need the validation. <laughs> You're trying to
0: date our female listeners. I don't think you can date within the family. So, uh, no. Yeah. I looked it up. The average listener of this podcast is a woman in her 30s or 40s. So uh Wait, actually? Yes. So if you're into that, go for it.
1: I actually did not know that they keep track of age. Spotify does, yeah. Yeah, no, that's
0: interesting. Yeah, our average Spotify listener is a woman in her 30s or 40s.
1: I would have expected to be someone either our age or a man who is like 65.
0: Nope. So, to all of our um, 30s and 40s female listeners, we salute you. Yeah. Yeah, all one of them. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, uh, I would she be in her 30s? Yeah, speaking of women in their 30s, I suppose. Uh, later oh, that boy. same year, Flanagan got married to Mae McWay. Mae McWay? Yeah, Mae McWay. Okay. We need to stop having rhyming names, just like across <laughs> the board. That needs to
0: stop. No, but all it's right. Nick Rose wise. is put, no. Rose is putting her foot down. Do not give your kids rhyming names. I disagree. Mandatory
1: rhyming names. Give
0: me a give me a rhyming last name for Gabriel.
1: Fabriel, I don't know. Or no, you. It's this. It's Gabriel. Gabriel. But the the second Gabriel is pronounced with a soft G instead of a hard G. So it's Jabriel. Yes. Man, English is such a stupid language. <laughs> so what happened to Mae McWay? Or
2: was that yeah, her name? Uh, yeah, Mae McWay. So uh, in 1952, he gets married to Mae McWay. And in attendance was his good buddy, James Dillon, uh, the pro-ally guy who got kicked out of Fine Gael. Uh, we talked about last episode. One, one last note. I know I shouldn't make fun of her
1: because as far as I know, she's not a bad person. But hmm. I thought of what her last name would be without Mick and if it was just a way and i'm thinking like the calvin harris song but you're singing her name instead of my way so it's like may way away 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 may away, away 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 do, do, doo do, do. do, 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 do.
0: <laughs> so true <laughs> uh,
2: so james Dillon's there um, and as lo- uh, as well as him there are also various Finnegale functionaries including tfo higgins the first leader of the blue shirts
1: Hmm. I will say, old guy, but that is a good name,
2: TFO Higgins. Yes. Hmm. There's a lot of like um uh, letter letter guys in in Ireland, like W T Cosgrave and TFO Higgins. And no,
1: I think the letter letter thing, I think overall is kind of cool. Yeah, like uh, L R Hubbard. I don't think he ever referred to himself as that, did he?
0: He did sometimes. Yeah.
1: But I feel like nobody, they call him L. Ron, though. I don't think anyone, like, really calls him L. R. Yeah, no one really calls him L. R., but yeah. he did
0: occasionally.
2: Hmm. Uh, I guess, like, the point with that with T.F. O'Higgins is just how integrated the blue shirts are into Fine How many yeah, of these people insane. are there still. And how, you know, maybe a far-right freak might be welcomed into Fine one may say.
0: Finnegale, we're just a regular conservative party. (laughs)
2: Yeah. So uh, Flanagan had a lot of close ties with Finnegale, and he'd had them for some time. And now, with the war behind everyone, the pro ally Dylan had been welcomed back into the party, and Dylan offered Flanagan the same. Why don't you join Finnegale? And Flanagan accepted. He said, sure. Uh, As a result of. Wait, didn't he collapse two of their governments? Uh, One of them.
1: Oh, the other one was Labor?
2: Uh, Fina Fall.
0: Oh, okay. So they accepted a guy into the party mm-hmm. who 10 years ago was openly praising Hitler.
2: Yes.
1: Just to be clear, Fina Fall is like a center to center left party. Fina Gale like, is a more conservative party, right?
2: It's traditionally, yeah. It, it's it's a bit hard to uh, quantify the two, because they've swapped political ideologies again and again, and they've been all over the place. But they are mm. kind of our two blob-center parties, with traditionally, I guess, Fianna Fáil being more willing to, I guess, be center-left, and then mm. uh, Fine Gael being more kind of austere and conservative. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: So it makes sense that Flanagan would join Fine Gael, but... Yeah. Also, wow, that is that is crazy turnaround. Yeah, that's like Francoist Spain levels of turning around. <laughs>
2: <Nazism>. <laughs> and yeah, speaking of like the end of, of the Nazis, the Monetary Reform Party was officially dissolved, and Flanagan's electoral machinery was repurposed for Fine Gael. and that would turn out to be of great use. As Lee Shaffiley Flanagan's constituency was fast becoming a marginal constituency, a uh, swing seat in American terminology. All oh, no. this party apparatus around uh, Flanagan was going to be really handy, and as a result, he would come to dominate Finnegale in Lee Shaffiley. Was there any reason why his seat was becoming
1: more marginal, or was it just kind of like changing, like just kind of the tides of the? Uh politics just uh, changing things like that
2: yeah it was just kind of the ties of politics that the final seat of Lee Shoffley for whatever reason from here into 1977 we'll talk about what happens in 1977 just keeps flipping back and forth back and forth back and forth between Fine Gael Fianna Fáil Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil.
1: okay yeah, yeah that's not like super uncommon there are seats like that generally in most parliamentary systems mm. all yeah. right so he's so what happens at the uh, what happens with this machinery and how it's repurposed for a uh, Fine Gael?
2: Yeah, well speaking of that machinery in 1954 there's an election and there is a return of the interparty government Fine Gael are back in power. Uh, unlike last time in 48 where the interparty government was a massive big mess, uh this interparty government is much more Fine Gael and Labour centric. Labour have fixed their split from the last episode. Now Dylan uh, was tipped to be the Minister for Agriculture and decided to help his buddy out by appointing Flanagan as Junior Minister for Agriculture, which I don't know what the American equivalent of that would be, but I know in the UK that's called a parliamentary... Yeah, undersecretary or parliamentary secretary in the UK, yeah.
0: Yeah, if so, for American listeners, it's like the undersecretary of state or something.
2: Yeah, so he's now the undersecretary of agriculture, basically.
0: Yeah. Sort of the David Perdue
1: of Ireland. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking... Of- David Perdue was never undersecretary. I uh, wasn't.
0: He. I thought he was.
1: No, he was. His cousin was Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. But David was uh, just yeah, a was senator from Perdue. Georgia.
0: I was thinking of Sonny Perdue. My bad. American politicians have got to stop having dumb names like Sonny. <laughs> I don't. That's not his name. That's all his real name. It's a nickname. I know they got to stop going by stuff like that.
2: Hmm. It's embarrassing. So he's we're now... the global
0: superpower, and we have guys named Sonny in our government. <laughs>
2: I mean it could be worse. Like in the eighteen thirties you had guys like Erastus Root and yeah, uh, Rensselaer Rensler true. Van Rensler. <laughs> there
1: was once a guy I know named uh, Ebenezer Hoare, I think was his name. Oh, That's, that's a powerful so name. cool. Oh, I that's looked up good. Sonny Purdue. His real name isn't Sonny, it's George.
0: Awful. Yeah, that's arguably worse. So
2: yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so here he is, Oliver J. Flanagan, junior minister for agriculture and he gains a reputation among farmers for being pig-ignorant about agriculture. He knows nothing.
0: (laughs) That checks out.
2: At Burr, he was heckled by a farmer, who declared that Flanagan probably didn't even know how many toes a pig has. To which Flanagan shouted back, Take off your stockings, my good man, and count!
0: That's kind of a good comeback, I can't lie. That's kind
1: of fire. For a second I thought he was trying to say that they have five toes, but then I realized that he was calling him a pig.
2: Yeah, he was calling him
1: a pig. Yeah, no, thank you. It took me a second to catch on, but that is a good
2: response.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. He had bands. I can't lie.
2: Yeah, he he brought the fire. And this is like the one thing he's good
1: at, it seems, just like insulting people. (laughs) It it really is.
0: Hey, he's also good at anti Semitism.
1: He's very good at that although like no one listened to his speeches so like how good was he at that
0: yeah that's a fair point
2: hmm. now you know he's bringing the fire and he's bringing the electoral fire while uh you know he's topping the polls in lee Shoffley, but unfortunately his success is not rubbing off on the rest of Finnegale. as in 1957 fianna Fáil take back power and finnegal leader richard mulcahy is forced to resign and he's replaced by james Dillon. and as a Ooh. result of their good friendship. James Dillon makes Flanagan a frontbencher, the spokesman for lands. Uh, oh,
1: no. Is that oh, like an no.
2: agricultural
1: secretary kind yeah. of role?
2: So it would be in the British Parliament, that would be the equivalent of the shadow minister for
1: agriculture. Oh, right, because they're in opposition. So he's not going to be the minister. He's just the
0: shadow minister. Yeah,
2: exactly. So he's the spokesman for lands.
0: Spokesman for lands sounds like a thing that Jake would be in the Avatar movies. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: was thinking more of, like, I was thinking more of, like, a guy who, like, I don't know, like, is, like, Nick Land's, like, press guy.
0: (laughs) Spokesman for the land. (laughs) Did Nick Land die? Did we ever figure that out? No, he's still, what are you talking about? He's still alive. No, but he just, like, stopped posting everywhere online right around the same time there was, like, a really bad flood in the part of China he lives in. Well, he was per-
1: maybe he would had to like I don't know deal with like making sure that his house like didn't like get flooded. I don't know.
0: Like, did he ever come back?
1: I don't know. According to Wikipedia, though, he's still alive.
0: Okay, God, what a what a depressing downgrade that guy had.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, just like like being like this respected professor, just like living in China, just like hating Muslims?
0: Yeah, he went from like like the CCRU is like kind of stupid. But, like, a few of their writings are, like, interesting. Like, the stuff he wrote with Sadie Plant was generally, like, pretty interesting to read. And then you read what he writes now, and it's just like, Herder, the liberals won't talk about IQ.
2: I can't believe that a guy called Land worked with someone called Plant. (laughs) Yeah, that's how Britain works. (laughs) That's a fair point.
1: There is something I do love. There is something awesome about that, though. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that was Sorry. like the Tory MP whose name was Bill Cash, which is just two different ways of saying
2: money.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so spokesman for land Oliver J Flanagan, uh, and as now you know he's a front bencher. He's one of these prominent guys in Finnegale. He starts getting into a lot of arguments with government ministers, especially the Minister for Agriculture, Paddy Smith. In one argument, Smith dismissed Finnegale as a pack of Knights of St Columbanus. As, you know, you're all controlled by the knights, you shut up, we don't want to listen to you. I and mean, that's Fl- true. I mean, it's correct, yeah, they were. <laughs> and uh, Flanagan demanded he withdraw the statement. Smith responded, why, are you ashamed of them? I would not blame you. <laughs> <laughs> Owned. Oliver J. Flanagan thundered back that Fianna Fáil were all Freemasons. And so Smith dismissed Flanagan, calling him a Jew <laughs> I gotta say, uh, Flanagan's insults are not as good as they
1: used to be by this point. I know
2: he's dropping yeah, that's, off.
0: Uh, he's getting yeah. washed. Oh, what are you ashamed of them? You ought to be. And then he's just like, uh, "You're a you're a Freemason." Like, yeah. man, that's lame, bro. Yeah, there's no creativity there. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean he, he's he's dropping off, and and you know I feel like now he and fell now, off for real. He, he did for real for real. And I feel like a lot of people are falling off, including De Valera, who who, uh, steps down as Taoiseach in 1959 and was succeeded by Sean Lamass. So De Valera, ripped to a real one, 1932 to 1959. Wait, do you
1: say he stepped down or he died?
2: Uh, He stepped down. He's going to continue being in Irish politics until he's in his 90s. He will literally be blind and president into the 1970s.
0: (laughs) Is president a ceremonial role in Ireland? Yeah,
2: it is, yeah. Okay, I was going to say,
0: this isn't like a Woodrow Wilson situation.
2: No, yeah, he he will be uh, president for 14 years, from 1959 to uh, 1973, I think. How many of those years was he blind? Uh, he was going blind by 1959. That was one of the reasons why he steps down, because he literally could not see.
1: Okay, so way longer than uh, Woodrow Wilson, then.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's gone now, and Sean Lamass, the uh, new, dynamic, young, uh, young, I, uh, he's in his 50s as opposed to most <laughs> Fianna Fállers who are in their 60s at this point. Uh, he takes over, and he wants to rebrand Fianna Fáil and, frankly, the entire southern state. So when Ireland received martial aid in 1948, it received it on pretty different terms than a lot of the rest of Europe. While the majority of martial aid for most European countries was given as grants, 87% of Irish martial aid was in the form of high-interest loans. Oh, no. Alongside these loans, which would represent the majority of Irish foreign debt into the 1970s, the US had certain demands for the southern economy. Ireland was to open up to end protectionism, to uh, allow its markets to be uh, influenced, and when that ultimately destroyed the Irish economy, the US government demanded restructuring. Much like the British government, Washington saw the southern economy as only being useful for agricultural production. So those ranchers we talked about in episode one, uh, Fianna Fáil have been desperately trying to build up a different uh, economic base for Ireland, and now here's America slapping around these new businessmen destroying their industries and going, you should put the ranchers back in power.
0: That is interesting. America does not usually do that to European countries.
2: No, but yeah. Just to our-
0: be...
1: Just to be clear, these were not like the small time ranchers, right? Like these were like the like the landlords, like the big landowners.
2: Yeah, the ranchers uh, from episode one to, to recapitulate, they own usually anywhere between fifty to two hundred or more acres of land. They are big cattle ranchers, so they basically own the place. Oh yeah, they they own the majority of Irish land.
0: Yeah, So this is this is a common playbook you see where you sort of give them high-interest loans, they can't pay it back, they collapse the economy, and then they're forced to sell off either their natural resources or their agricultural goods. Yeah. This is kind of a common playbook used to sort of get trap third-world countries. It is not often you see it done to a, a, to a European country.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ireland is just this poor post-colonial country. It wasn't involved in uh, World War II, and so the U.S. was basically said, you know, your purpose is to feed Britain.
0: Yeah, the U.S. was like, yeah, you're basically Africa to us, so let's
2: go. <laughs> oh, that, that reminds me. Um, very quick digression. Yeah, the U.S. ambassador, uh, David Gray, did genuinely believe that kind of shit about Ireland. He was like what? a really classic New York wasp who was born in the 1870s and he was absolutely convinced uh, throughout the war that Ireland uh, was collaborating with the Nazis. And the reason why he was convinced of this is one, because he just believed the Irish to be uh, inferior, and two, because he did seances, and the spirits told him that the Irish were collaborating with the Nazis and the Japanese.
0: What? Wait, um, wait, we spirits? might need to have Who's you back spirits? on to cover this wait,
2: guy. Whose spirits? I, I have no idea, but yeah, he did He did seances, and uh, David Gray is the name of him.
0: All right, yeah, you're going to have to come back on to cover
2: that guy, because
0: holy shit,
2: <laughs> that's incredible. I, I, yeah, I uh, Him, and then also the uh, John John Massey, I think his name was, the uh, British ambassador who compared Irish people to Indian hill tribes.
0: That's, like, racist on multiple different levels. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's not that uncommon, though, like, being racist towards several groups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. but it's
0: impressive to do it in the span of one sentence.
2: hmm so sorry to uh, digress with uh, David Gray and John Massey. Uh, they're just very fascinatingly weird people. Uh, yeah, but, we're going to have to cover David Gray at some <laughs> point. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the 50s are an economic disaster for Ireland. They, they really don't go, go well. Uh, what little industry Ireland has built up is destroyed and mass emigration sweeps through the land. Lamas no longer wants to pretend that the southern economy can stand on its own two feet like de Valera did. And he has a new plan for Ireland. Ireland will be a place that foreign businesses can locate with cheaper wages and low taxes. So this is when Ireland begins its its time as a tax haven. Yeah, this is the guy, Sean Lamass. Uh, I'm sorry, his still... name is Lamass? Lamass, yeah.
0: Like, oh my
2: god. I don't know, I kind of like the name Lamass. Yeah, it is what it is I don't know. There's a lot of like le uh, and, and duh in, in Irish our names sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's his plan, his great big plan. And the economic shift was successful enough at driving down unemployment that for the first time since 1944, Fianna Fáil won re-election in 1961. So there, you know, it, it's, you know, we may not say it's the, the best thing to be doing, but hey, it works. And as so what as, you're
0: saying is the IMF is good.
2: Yeah, they're great. We love them.
0: Structural adjustment programs work. <laughs> How is the
1: Irish
2: economy doing in 61? Is it recovering or is it still... Uh... Yeah, so it's doing well enough that uh, Fianna Fáil can get back into power. Uh, they don't get a majority. Uh, they do have to rely on two independents, Frank Sherwin and Joe Lenihan, to uh, prop the whole thing up, uh, which will be important in a sec. But yeah, they, they can get back into power. It's like Ireland starts to do a lot better in sort of the late 60s, early 70s, and then the whole thing collapses apart uh, into the 80s, and it's only really at the 90s that we get modern Ireland. Yeah. But yeah, they don't get a majority. Uh, they need these two guys, Frank Sherwin and Joe Lenehan, to prop up their coalition, and Flanagan derisively called this new government the Sherwin Coalition as a result, and he would join Fine Gael in doing all in his power to collapse his third government in a row. He needs to get rid of them.
0: Well, look, when you need to collapse the government, you call in an expert. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, but wasn't he with Fine Gael?
1: Yeah, but Fianna Fáil are in power. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm confusing
2: them. Sorry, the names yeah. are very similar. No worries, you're good, yeah.
0: Yeah, but the names are. are too similar.
2: They, they are. Uh, but yeah, uh, he he's uh, joining up with Fine Gael. They're scheming to try and break up this coalition. Uh, but first, in April 1963, uh, Flanagan had to be rushed to hospital for a surgery. <laughs> Wait, what's there, what kind of? Are you going I, to tell us what kind of I, surgery? I, I I wish I knew. I couldn't find it out. Uh, all I know is that it must have been major enough because uh, he remained too ill to attend the doll into late May. Wait, <laughs> what month was this when he was rushed to the hospital? April. No, that's not like that's all super long. Like that's long, but is so like he's rushed into hospital in like early April and then in late oh. May he's still in hospital. Oh.
0: Yeah, so he's out of work for almost two months because he's sick.
2: Wait, or, how old is this guy at this point? Uh, what, nineteen sixty-one? He's forty-one,
1: and he's already just like he's, he's already he like having like several eighth. near-death experiences.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you think was causing all these health problems? Uh, I wish I knew. Like, like somebody... did he just have some? Did he have a daredevil
2: lifestyle? No, like I, I wish I knew because like he did get tuberculosis when he was young. And he did already have lung problems as well, so probably that, from the tuberculosis. Yeah, yeah, like complications from tuberculosis, maybe. Uh, but like, he's he's gonna have like heart problems later. I don't know what's up with this man. He was just so he sick. Just, yeah, yeah, it's,
1: uh, it's not because it sounds like it's not just one recurring problem. It sounds from what the way you're describing, it sounds like
2: he's like new problems are constantly just manifesting, like, in his body? Yeah, legitimately. Like, it, it's... it's uh, Like, his early problems are all chest-related. And then, like, later on, it's, like, heart, and, like, it's... I don't know what's up with him. <laughs> he just...
0: He was just... He was just being cursed
2: by God. And, like, he didn't drink and he didn't smoke, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, unless you, like... If you're not doing those things, I mean, like... Although I guess with the tuberculosis that could really fuck you up, so it, yeah. I guess it kind of makes sense that he's constantly sick.
2: I, get, I like that's my only explanation is that he got a, he got tuberculosis and then it just fucked him up for the rest of his life.
0: He he was at ha- fortune tellers were constantly placing curses upon him.
2: <laughs> the spirits, yeah, from <laughs> David Gray seances, yeah, yeah. The
0: the ancestors were not happy with him.
2: Uh, so in July, he's now he has his plan. Finnegan have their scheme. Uh, The government are set to introduce a new controversial turnover tax, uh, basically a sales tax. And the opposition believe that this is their opportunity to break the Sherwin coalition. You know, uh, these two independents will surely not support this really controversial tax. And then, shockingly, they did. (laughs) Uh, Oops. (laughs) Uh, So Flanagan suspected foul play and revived an old special from the days of the Locke Tribunal taking advantage of his dull privilege to make wild accusations without fear of getting sued.
0: Yeah. I, I was expecting you to say, call everyone Jewish, but yeah, that works too.
2: Yeah. Uh, he accused Sherwin and Lenehan of receiving bribes of £3,000 from the government. He-, he had no basis for this. So he's just lying. Yeah, he, he just says, yeah, that they-, they received uh, bribes from the government. Uh, like uh, it's it's complicated enough. It's like he was accusing them of receiving a pension. It's boring. He just accuses them of of taking bribes. It's it's uh, all that you need to know is that it it has no basis. Although it may have been based in projection, because oh, no. Lenahan alleged that he had been offered a five thousand pound bribe from Finnegale if he voted down the tax.
0: Hmm.
2: Who should we believe? Uh, probably neither, is, is frankly what I'd say. Um...
0: <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe the guy who lies constantly.
2: That seems like a good idea. Yeah, you should. Uh, you should, should. Yeah, like the, the relationship between the Lamas government and the independence was a bit hmm, interesting, but I, I I don't believe personally the uh, the the bribery story, and I don't know if Lenahan was telling the truth. So who knows.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're just gonna say that they were probably not taking bribes because Flanagan was a liar. Yeah, probably.
2: And yeah, I mean, it's it's the sixties, man. You know, the uh, there's, we're smoking dope,
0: we're listening to music.
2: I know. Yeah, it, well, Father
0: Flanagan was probably doing neither of those things. No,
2: he of course not, Jesus Christ. Uh, he he would never do that. He he spends his time in in quiet prayer and contemplation. Um, but you know, it's the 60s there's this economic shift uh, Ireland is exposing itself more to the rest of the world, and as a result, things are changing younger members of Finnegale were attempting to change the party with it a faction around a man by the name of Declan Costello, uh, so John A. Costello from the last episode, the Hitler shirts guy the former uh that one, yeah, his son there are so many sons of people in Irish politics, everyone is a son of someone else So, Declan Costello, uh, and a faction around him, called for the party to embrace social democracy and social liberalism, while party stalwarts, like James Dillon and Oliver J. Flanagan, wanted to keep the party austere and socially conservative. So, there's this big tussle in the party over this, and one such young liberal we should mention is a guy called Garrett Fitzgerald, because he's going to come up uh, a lot. Now we didn't have time to talk about Gareth Fitzgerald's daddy, but don't worry, uh, Desmond Fitzgerald was a blue shirt. Rest assured, it's okay. And <laughs> why is just is how many people in Irish politics at this point are just
1: the sons of like Nazi sympathizers? Oh, all of them, basically. Uh, especially in Fingal,
0: like
2: everyone has some collection to the blue shirts at this period. Why
1: everyone's dad is just a, was just is just a former blue shirt?
0: Yeah. What? How did this happen? Did the rat lines end up in fucking Lishaffoli somehow?
2: I mean, they they kind of did. Um, uh, Ados Corsani ended up in in Ireland.
0: Did he really? He did, yeah.
2: He owned a a massive farm in Ireland, yeah. Oswald Mosley ended up in Ireland. Um, A lot of people ended up in Ireland.
0: Huh, okay, so the Ratlines did literally end off in Ireland.
2: Oh yeah, that was part of an earlier draft of the script that I realized that would be way too long to talk about all these Nazi sympathizers that ended up in Ireland. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, yeah, for Fine in particular, it's because the Blue Shirts are literally a founding member of Fine They are part of the bedrock of the party. That's...
0: That's... This is how you fight fascism, is you just make them a a part of a larger, shittier conservative party.
2: Yeah, and then you just wait for their sons to uh, become social democrats. That's
0: right. This is the inevitable march of history.
2: (laughs) So Gareth was UCD educated, and he had a PhD in economics. And like all of these liberals, you know, I say they believe in social democracy and social liberalism. The fact of the matter is, they don't really believe in it because they believe it's a good thing. They believe in it because that's the... uh, the way that real countries like Britain and America operate. And they want Ireland to be a real country. And so for guys like uh, Garrett Fitzgerald, they believed firmly in rules and norms and that men with technical expertise like them should run the country. You know, they were classic liberal technocrats. And as a result, corrupt career politicians like Oliver J. Flanagan were everything men like him despised.
0: Yeah, that is a common dynamic you see in a lot of countries.
2: Yeah. So there's this internal reform movement, and uh, Costello and the reform movement succeed in making their policy document towards a just society the party manifesto for 1965. Finnegale, however, refused to actually run on any of its platforms. Uh, the arch conservative Dylan is still in power, so he just goes, no. And the party therefore loses in 1965.
0: Ha <laughs> ha!
2: Uh, at the end of it all, Dylan is forced to step down, and there is a race between Declan Costello and Liam Cosgrave. Again, Liam Cosgrave, another failed son of a previous Thiesek of Ireland. And both of them are running to run Vinegale, Gael. from the left, Cosgrave from the right. We all know who Flanagan supported, and he was quite happy that Cosgrave won.
0: Uh, yeah, that seems like a thing Flanagan would be happy about. Yeah.
2: And so, you know, 1965. Um, that election uh, is only notable in Irish history, genuinely, for being uh, the most boring election in Irish history.
1: Yeah, it doesn't
2: it? Doesn't sound very exciting. No, it doesn't. It is. It is. It is well known for being the most boring election in Irish history. That is infamously what it is. Uh, but also, it is the first ever election to be televised. Oh. So let's talk about TV.
1: That feels like a shitty election to waste such a monumental moment
2: on. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it was a, it was that seems a like a waste. thing.
0: Flanagan it seems like Flanagan would be a big TV guy.
2: Maybe he would be, or maybe he wouldn't. Uh, I guess we'll we'll just have to find out.
0: He's like actually, the color TV was invented by the Jews. Uh, a, a true white man only listens to the radio. <laughs> You're so close.
1: So um... wait, is he? Wait, is Rose actually close?
2: He has some opinions like that, yeah. So, the Irish state TV broadcaster, RTE, was still in its infancy in 1965. It was fully established in 62, and nobody in Ireland really knew what to do with this whole television thing. A lot of its programming and leading staff were, therefore, imported from abroad, much to the consternation of Oliver J. Flanagan, who complained that the RTE orchestra was full of foreigners. Oh, the The horror. horror! Uh, I have no idea, but they were just from abroad, which was bad. Uh, most of the foreign talent was from the U.S.
0: It was all those like one eighth Irish American guys coming <laughs> in to be like, "Yeah, we know how to run a TV station, and we're basically Irish." Yeah. Chucky Arla, am I right, fellas? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, the basically Ireland was like, uh, "Oh, to be a proper country, we should have TV, but we don't really know what to do with TV." So sure, the Yanks know about TV. We'll bring him in.
0: Yeah. And then uh, they found out that we're all satanic. Yeah, absolutely. And that. And
2: that <laughs> That's a joke.
0: No, that is a joke. <laughs> we're mostly normal people.
2: So, uh, alongside all this foreign imported stuff, like uh, n- 1960s Irish TV was like running reruns from like the 40s and 50s of American TV. So, alongside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, alongside, so, there were like. A bunch of Irish people really into Archie
0: Bunker. In the yeah, 70s. <laughs>
1: genuinely. No, I think Archie Bunker was the seventies. Uh,
0: wow, what was like forties TV? Like there wasn't know. really
1: much other than like short cartoons. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah like... A bunch of a bunch of like America was having the hippie movement, and Ireland was just getting really into the Looney Tunes.
2: Yeah, like Ireland's really getting into like all those old westerns with like the white hat, black hat cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've seen old westerns. They're not half bad, to be honest. Yeah, but, like, the TV westerns, though, not the movie westerns. Yeah, the TV ones
0: are bad. Oh, They're getting really into John Ford movies edited (laughs) for TV. Who is John Ford? He was a very famous director of westerns. Oh. Probably the most famous.
1: Oh. I know the actors more than the directors.
0: I think he acted a little bit, but he was mostly a director. Gotcha.
2: So, yeah, on top of these imported white hat, black hat, cowboy uh, TV shows... The other thing that RTE was doing was just throwing stuff against the wall to see what stuck. And one of these things was the Late Late Show. Nowadays, the Late Late Show is the second longest running chat show in the entire world. But at the time, it was literally... Wait, what's the of... longest? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, I, I think it's like disputed whether or not the Late Late Show is the longest or not, but uh, I'm going off okay. of... Uh,
0: the Late Late QT. Show with James Gordon.
2: Maybe. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Uh, so... Yeah, The Late Late Show is nowadays a very established, long-running chat show. But at the time, it was literally just uh, uh, filler. It was just like, ah, do Irish Johnny Carson. Uh, Fuck it. See if that works. Uh, But it became quite popular because it was really the only thing in Irish society willing to discuss taboo topics in the 60s. So stuff like say divorce and abortion and contraceptives these kind of hot button issues would be talked about on the late late show which made it quite popular people liked so it. so they were one of the few channels if not the only channel willing to challenge the church on these issues not really willing to challenge the church but just willing to even mention the possibility that there was other alternatives
1: mm, okay so not explicitly endorsing those alternatives but just like m- making
2: them known yeah exactly
0: so okay. they, were, they were instrumental in exiting the vampire castle.
2: In a way, yeah. And uh, one big incident uh, happens in 1966. Uh, the show hosted a Mr. and Mrs. game show, testing what couples knew of one another. The host, Gay Byrne, asked Mr. Fox of Terranure what colour nighty his wife was wearing on their wedding night. Ooh. And Mrs. Fox of Terranure declared that she wasn't wearing anything that night. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> Scandalous. I know. I'm sure
0: Oliver J. Flanagan declared a fatwa against the whole network.
2: <laughs> and yeah, for uh, although this was left, uh, you know, met with a lot of laughter from uh, Byrne and the audience, one man who was not laughing was the Bishop of Clonfort, who declared that Byrne was a purveyor of filth. And this becomes a massive scandal, the entire thing. It's called the Bishop and the Nighty scandal. It's entirely just because of an offhand reference to a married woman having sex. While she's with married, her husband, with her husband, isn't That's that what it. they want? I know, but apparently they don't want it either. So yeah, they they uh, this whole thing well, becomes a scandal.
1: Maybe they're upset that there's like a that they're a talking about it and yeah. b
2: there's like no explicit mention of like of conception in it. Mm. Oh yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's just the the even the the fact that sexuality is mentioned and like uh, as a separate thing from raising children or yeah. getting pregnant. Yeah, basically. Uh, now, in the wake of the scandal, Oliver J. Flanagan bitterly declared, "There was no sex in Ireland before television." <laughs> Wait, how would it have people if there wasn't sex?
0: I don't know. Uh, every Irish person is actually born via immaculate conception.
2: Yeah, we're we're just we're just uh, blessed that way.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or alternatively, they reproduce uh, via <laughs> via uh, mitosis.
2: Yeah, we, we just split. <laughs> There's apart actually about. only
0: one person in Ireland. <laughs> they all just dress differently. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, please don't uh, reveal our secrets here. Rose, I'm sorry. Please. I'm
0: sorry.
1: One, one Thomas is a uh, kind of uh, is kind of pissing me off. As it is, two of them is <laughs> oof.
0: What did Thomas ever do to you?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: Well, I, I will be the Thomas defender on this podcast.
1: Well, I figured I'd get bullied on this podcast
2: at some point, so I'm kind of trying to get my sucker at all. punches in. I I you the Oliver J. Flanagan of, of this podcast, and here I am, <laughs> Patter Cowan.
0: Yeah, okay. We'll go with that.
2: I
1: thought Patter Cowan was the one who owned it, Flanagan.
2: No, it was the opposite way around. Uh uh, oh. uh Patter was the one who got um screamed at for yeah. being a dirty rat. Oh, okay. Well, you can bully me later, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Nah, you're good. So, um, you know, Flanagan doesn't like television, as you can guess, and although he loathed its influence on Ireland, he was not above appearing on it. On The Late Late Show in 1968, Oliver Jay confidently told host Gay Byrne that, of course, when Fine Gael took power, they'd give preferential treatment to fellow members for government jobs. Why wouldn't they?
0: So they would appoint their people to run the that? Oh, like for like bureaucrat <laughs> stuff. Oh, I thought you meant for like yes. government ministries, and I was like, "That seems normal."
2: No, but what you mean
0: I, so, no? You mean for like yeah. regular bureaucracy stuff? Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Wait, was well, he doing Just, for bureaucracy, like, bureaucracy stuff? Sorry,
0: was... saying they would preferential tr- give preferential treatment to Finnegall members for like regular bureaucracy jobs.
2: Oh, uh, yeah uh so he just goes on the late late show he declares it and you know after all he was a great believer in putting a friend into a good job and he wanted to fill every post i can subject to qualifications and ability with my own friends and political supporters
1: <laughs> that, that seems like a bad thing to so just openly saying he that wants seems like
2: to like do that. yeah like Oh yeah, uh, he he just uh, in, in Ireland that's called jabbery, uh, and yeah, he's just ad- admitting to the fact that he's going to engage in jabbery.
1: Which I mean, credit for
2: honesty, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I'll put it this way: he wasn't wrong. <laughs> Finnegale did do that, but to declare it out loud was, you know, that that's just not how things are done. And Senator Garrett Fitzgerald was outraged by this blatant declaration of corrupt intent, and he demanded that Flanagan leave Finnegale. Flanagan said no. Well, yeah, obviously. Why would he? And that's he's his. been a loyal foot senator. Yeah. so he collapsed the government. Absolutely, for and and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and who is Garrett Fitzgerald to tell him to leave? I mean, pff, what are you, just some senator? It's not like you're going to be in he- yeah, charge of the party. Yeah, he's probably secretly
0: Jewish. You shouldn't listen to him.
2: Absolutely. That is the, view of the viewpoint uh, of Flanagan.
0: <laughs> the...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we are not. Yeah. Just making that clear.
2: So yeah, that, that was kind of a big scandal for Flanagan at the time, of, like openly declaring, "Yeah, we're we're just going to do nepotism. We're going to do Jabbery. That that'd be great." But the much bigger scandal hits him the next year. So land ownership, uh, it's still a big issue in Ireland. The the ranchers, all that, that's still uh, an ongoing issue and there's a lot of tensions with small farmers. With Ireland integrating into the world market, foreign businessmen, especially Germans, were seeing opportunity because Ireland's land was fertile and, by European standards, quite cheap. So Germans began buying up land across Ireland to the anger of local small farmers. There were attempts at land reform in 1965 to ease tensions, but foreign ownership continued. In May 1969, the FDP, uh, which are like the Libertarian Party uh, in West Germany, claimed German landowners were being discriminated against by the Land Commission in its mm. expropriations, causing outrage. Mm. In Germans
0: Athens. being discriminated against in another country. Where have I heard these claims I know. before? <laughs>
2: Uh, this Yeah, this was outrageous to Ireland. How dare you accuse us of, of that? And during the June 1969 election, several German-owned farms were set on fire, and the West German embassy was picketed by angry protesters. I'm having a hard time
0: deciding whether or not I think that's best.
1: Was, <laughs> was that... <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> uh, wait, is that... Did anybody die because of this? Or? Uh,
2: no, not that I uh, understand. Just oh, then, Yeah, that's, that's fine. It. Yeah, oh, okay, we, so we say that's cool. So yeah, the small farmers are not happy with these German a- landowners. Now the Germans are getting all uppity and saying that they're being discriminated against. You know, bugger off, we're going to burn down your farms.
0: Oh, mein Gott, and I'm being discriminated thing... against. Yeah, shut up.
2: <laughs> no, that's more. Why are you trying to stop doing a yeah, bad
0: the, Swedish accent? have a German complains <laughs> that they're being discriminated against, you can safely ignore them, listener.
2: And, yeah, burn down their farm. Don't <laughs> we I? do not advocate burning down uh, So... <laughs> So, this becomes a, a big issue, right? Uh, the fact that farms are getting burned down in the middle of the election. Uh, but despite the fact that foreign land ownership is a central issue, uh, Fianna Fáil still managed to win with their new leader, Jack Lynch. But Flanagan weighed in on this whole thing, and he declared the following We have no room in this country for Nazis, and we are not going to entertain them here. The sooner we take steps to end this, the better. <laughs> He called for all Germans to be expropriated by the land commission. Wait, hold up, hold up. Even if they weren't like wealthy landowners. Yeah, all of them, all of them, even the small, yeah, even the small ones. All of them. Get rid of all the German landowners. No more German landowners. Now he was asked to clarify by the Irish independence what he meant by Nazis, and Flanagan said he considered all Germans to be Nazis. Kinda based. Even if you were like a child. Yeah. We finally found that 0.5 percent of uh, Nazi policy that Flanagan didn't like. It's it's <laughs> owning land in Ireland. Uh.
0: yeah. It's like on the one hand, Flanagan was a literal Nazi, so like it's you can't really say that. On the other hand, maybe he had a real ideological 180 because now he's kind of based in this regard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except not really, because he's not like criticizing the West German government for you know letting nazis back into the government after world war ii as much as he is just you know saying that they're nazis because they own
2: land that's a fair point yeah yeah and and i'd point out again as we mentioned earlier you know the rat lines leading to ireland flanagan had no problem with guys like otter (laughs) scorsani coming to ireland so ireland clearly had room for nazis was he
0: involved in the rat lines at all
2: yeah there's there's that too uh (laughs) not that i know of no So yeah, he's calling all Germans Nazis, and Finnegale rush out a statement condemning Flanagan, and a few weeks later, he resigns. He cited poor health as his reason for resigning as spokesman for lands, uh, declaring that the pressure of the front bench would certainly put one in an early grave if he continued. He denied he had been forced to resign. So yeah, he's resigned now, and in the wake of calling all Germans Nazis, uh, all of Flanagan's previous praise of the Nazis began to be re-examined by Uh-oh. the media. Suddenly people are pointing out things like, uh, like this is the time where the whole thing about uh, not shooting the portrait of Hitler comes into the media. It's like, hey, yeah. he did that. Are we all just forgetting about the fact that he did that? But Flanagan denied he had ever supported the Nazis. Yeah, all right, man, sure. And... <laughs> so he's just I mean, he's lying, lying now. Lying the whole time. Yeah, well, he always... Yeah, he's always lying. He denied but... that he ever supported them. No. Just lying yet again, yeah, what? Gotcha. Me? Yeah. Say good and things that... about Hitler? I would never. I would never, no. And in fact, he gave, supposedly, daily thanks to the deity that the Allies had won the war.
0: I don't think I believe that. I don't
2: believe that. No, I don't think I do either. But supposedly, according to him, he prayed every single day, thanking God that the (laughs) Allies won the war. That's such a funny claim to make when you're accused of being
0: a Nazi. (laughs) Like, you could just say, no, I regret that, or no, that was (laughs) fake. You don't have to go over the top. But because it's him, he has to come up with an even weirder lie. (laughs) Like He just has a very unique psychology. of you always need to top your previous lies with a bigger lie.
1: Freud would have had a field day with this he guy. You would never have seen
0: <laughs> Freud. He was way too anti-Semitic for that.
1: But like, I'm, but like if Freud was yeah, able to probably. study him, I mean, like, like if you just told yeah. Freud about this guy. I would guy. love to bring back mm. Freud so I could tell
0: him about new types of guy. <laughs>
2: But yeah, he's denying he ever supported the Nazis, and uh, although he denies that, the one thing he does apologize for, supposedly, is for everything he'd said about Jewish people. I say supposedly, because I can't find the actual apology. Uh, if I could, I would have read it out, but um, I can only find references to the idea that he apologized. I don't know if he actually did, but supposedly
0: he Hmm, did. that's a little suspicious.
2: Supposedly he apologized. And he assured you that he was a different man now he didn't believe all those things he used to. He attended an anniversary celebration of the founding of the state of Israel with the Israeli ambassador and would an anti-Semite do that I mean
0: well maybe Victor Orban does maybe. that so yeah maybe
2: <laughs> Flanagan also started calling himself a socialist of the national variety I don't think perhaps. he was <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he was a socialist. No, but he started saying he was. He opposed Ireland joining the EEC, calling it a rich man's setup and capitalist well, and monopolistic. <laughs> no,
0: um, <laughs> this is sort of a thing they do. Like, Steve Bannon calls himself a Leninist a lot. Like, this is just a thing yeah. they do as sort of, like, taking trophies from a dead ideology.
1: Oh, basically, yeah. But and part of it's also
0: just
2: to yeah. get reactions out of people. I think like at this point, uh what I'd argue for him is that he's now realizing, oh, people are looking into my past as a Nazi. It's now the seventies, the early seventies. Uh socialism is a thing that's kind of popular. I guess I'm that now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like if Oliver J. Flanagan was born at the at the exact same time but in Russia, he absolutely would have been like like the second in charge of the KGB for thirty years.
2: and hey speaking of the soviets he hailed the arrival of a soviet uh, embassy in dublin declaring that he hoped the soviets would teach the irish government a thing or two about capitalism's immiseration of the poor
0: he keeps saying things that i'm like all right wait maybe he's got a point and then he'll just say something else like oh hitler was good and you're like god damn it
1: (laughs) i'm starting to think he doesn't have like actually have opinions other than that other than that, Nazis were good, and, that and everything else he says is like just bicycles. to like, yeah,
2: he likes. Bicycles, and that but everything else license. is
1: just to get a rise out of people. I mean,
2: yeah, frankly, that, that sounds about right. But you know, he's declaring he's had this great change of heart. He's actually a socialist now. The Soviets. It's are great. funny to go socialist yeah, well, and then
0: pro-Soviet. Like, you could go, like, oh, I'm a democratic socialist, I'm a social democrat, and join one of the other parties. It's way funnier to go hardcore Soviet apparatchik. That's, like, (laughs) I kind of respect that, just for how ballsy it
2: is. (laughs) Well, you know, had he actually changed his mind? Uh, I think we should uh, read from two things. A speech of his in Athi, uh, where he talked about what he believed socialism was, and a profile on him in the Kilkenny People. So, in his speech, Flanagan declared he believed firmly in socialism, but not false socialism, which was all in capitals, uh, of Marx, Lenin, and Stalin, (laughs) as we see he didn't believe in false socialism, of Marx, Lenin, and Stalin, as we see in operation as the system of government in Russia, Albania, Cuba, or China. He instead believed in, quote, Christian socialism, as decreed by all our popes, from Leo the Thirteenth to Paul VI. I was really hoping he would be a Maoist. I can't lie. Uh, unfortunately, no. He's, he's, I kind of he's a...
1: lamer. I was half expecting you to get into a liberation doctrine. <laughs> he's inventing <laughs> liberation theology for the first world. <laughs> or, that's what I was thinking. Libera- liberation <laughs> doctrine is something different. Sorry.
2: Hmm. Now, according to the Kilkenny people, this false socialism was quite a concern to Flanagan, who was willing to lead any crusade against the growth of communism in this country. He warns that international communism was going to lead the mob to take over Leinster House. I wonder who international communism is. It's
0: crazy that he thinks the Jews are both running the international bankers and the international communists. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, that is a foundational uh, contradiction that a lot of fascists still believe it's it's crazy to believe that the
0: entire Cold War was just Jewish infighting. Like, that is ridiculous. (laughs) Hmm.
2: Yeah, here they are, the international communists. Uh, And he expressed fear that freedom, both in speech and in life, would be taken away in Ireland, and that the people would become slaves of the state. Yeah, all all that
0: freedom of life in Ireland
2: in the 60s. Absolutely.
0: Famously (laughs) free society.
2: Oh yeah, Magdalene Laundrie's, never heard of them. Uh, But this was, you know, this isn't the only time he was fearing for freedom. As he expressed that in 1934... There was an effort being made by the Fianna Fáil government to prevent free speech. The blue shirts were established for the purpose of guaranteeing <laughs> this freedom. I am convinced that if it were not for the fact that the blue shirts were instituted here, there would be no such thing as free speech and democratic liberty. So he was the original free speech guy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that is
2: wild. A, a good amount of his career in in like the late eighties is just going to be complaining that people are censoring him. <laughs> yeah. He he is absolutely that guy, but yeah, um, uh, I, he he likes the blue shirt still. <laughs> and when asked if he had changed his opinion on monetary reform ideology, Flanagan said no. And in his speech at Athy, he was continuously preoccupied with the issue of the issuance and printing of currency. So basically, has he changed his mind? No. <laughs> he believes in all the same stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's inventing a new kind of fascism where you're not anti-Semitic, but you still believe all the
2: same things. (laughs) He's just, you know, he's not openly saying the Jews now or the Masons. He's saying international communism, which is different. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is literally what like the World Anti-Communist League did too. Like Mm. they just
0: incorporated the most extreme elements of fascism and then told them, all right, say, say international communism. Or Bolshevism instead of Jews. And we will (laughs) just let you do whatever you want.
2: I mean, yeah. It's just that uh, Flanagan's kind of realizing a little bit late. He's only realizing in the 70s that he should do that. Yeah, this
0: guy would be like running the John Birch Society if he was American.
2: Hmm. And hey, speaking of uh, conservative American stuff and conservative Irish stuff, uh, he's not just preoccupied with the issuance of currency. He's also preoccupied with a fear of abortion legalization yeah that makes sense so abortion was legalized in britain in 1967 and many irish conservatives feared that it and other forms of quote-unquote family planning would come to ireland soon i love how you say family planning so ominously
1: yeah i know abortion was illegal in ireland at this time were
2: condoms allowed or no no that's banned too divorce is banned. condoms are banned abortions are banned so ireland was literally a theocracy up until the 80s that's crazy
1: Oh yeah, basically. I guess, except for the fact that, like, you like, I guess, t- like, theoretically, could go to a school that wasn't run by the church. Not really. If you are talking about they the just 60s. didn't really no. have any. Yeah, I mean theoretically, but, like, but yeah. Yeah, but like, there was no law saying you have to go to a Catholic school, D- was there?
2: No, it's just that they existed, and that that was basically the only schools. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, there's this big fear. And one of the reasons is that there was clearly a demand for abortion. Uh, About five to six women a day would go from Ireland to Britain in order to receive abortion services. And so these conservatives realize, oh shit, people want this. And as a result of the fact that, hey, people actually do want this, pressure groups began to be formed. The Women's Liberation Movement began to, uh, uh, as one of these groups... And uh, in 1971, in March 1971, they wa- won a massive coup because they appeared on The Late Late Show. And they talked about all these taboo topics like marital rape, contraceptives, and abortions stuff that Irish society up to that point had not been really talking about. And to the horror of a lot of Irish conservatives, the audience was agreeing with them. Good heavens! I, I know, yeah. So that, that's horrifying. And, you know, in a very kind of almost BBC-esque way, on very the next episode, Flanagan was uh, on. And so, yeah, he's on the next episode, and he went on a wild rant about how Irish young women were, quote, harlots who attend mass on Sundays and spend the rest of their leisure washing down contraceptive pills with copious drafts of alcohol so that a host of rampant young male admirers may enjoy promiscuity without responsibility.
0: So you're telling me Oliver J. Flanagan successfully predicted, like, Tradcath Brooklyn (laughs) e-girls? I guess so. That is a joke for... I don't even know if a single listener will get that. (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, i mean the types of people who listen to like a podcast this small are people who are extremely online so they yeah, might they might. let's
2: hope but yeah that's his opinions on irish young women that they're all uh harlots who attend mass on sundays and all have orgies yeah
0: hey um and yeah if you're an uh, an irish woman who attends mass on sundays and washes down um contraceptives the rest of the week. Yeah, uh, please DM the podcast account.
1: (laughs) That is a joke. Rose is seeing someone. I'm in
0: an open relationship. I can do whatever the fuck I want.
2: Oh, you're right. But yeah, 1970s women, he's not a big fan of them. And speaking of 1970s women stuff, Roe v. Wade was absolutely terrifying for Flanagan because there was a big fear among Irish conservatives that a similar legal argument could be successful in an Irish court. As a result, it was considered necessary to find a more permanent solution to the ban on abortion, something that a court could not strike down, a constitutional amendment. For the time being, though, this movement gained little traction. So he's at the cutting edge of wanting to constitutionally ban abortion in Ireland, something which uh, uh, you guys probably know that that did happen. Yep, it happened and then it got repealed right? In 2018 it got repealed yeah.
0: Which is crazy it's crazy that it took yeah.
2: that long but yeah he's at the cutting edge of that movement to ban abortion constitutionally but for now it's it's not going anywhere liberation be it women's liberation or national liberation was on the minds of a lot of people in Ireland in the early 70s <laughs> uh, we've been kind of dancing around the issue of the north so far and that's mainly because Flanagan didn't give a shit <laughs> Yeah, He didn't care.
0: Yeah, that seems like it.
2: Yeah, uh, But yeah, just to note, the Troubles is happening now. Uh, it's going on in the background. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about it because, again, Flanagan didn't care. But to combat sympathetic Southern juries acquitting IRA members, the government established the Juryless Special Criminal Court in May 1972 and further attempted to water down evidence standards for convictions in December. Uh, So the level of evidence that the court was now going to have under these new laws was that if a Garda said you were a member of the IRA, that was good enough.
0: That seems like it would get abused heavily and lead to a lot of innocent people going to jail.
2: It may be, yeah, but I assure you, Rose. You know, I I read Wikipedia like any good reasonable person, and according to the Wikipedia page for the Special Criminal Court, uh, it declares that uh, this has never been used in the history of the court. You know, there has never been um, that, except for the fact that, that uh, except for the fact that there's a massive citation needed beside it. <laughs>
1: but still, that is a uh, surprising.
2: Yeah, um, I I don't think it's true, but yeah. Uh, this is the new evidence standard, and it's not going to pass, as far as most people are concerned. It's considered draconian, and Fianna Fáil rebels and the opposition are going to defeat it. Until, at the exact moment the final vote was due, Loyalists bombed Eden Key. Oh my. Which was... which was What, what is Eden Key? Eden Key is a, a location in Dublin which is a kilometer away from the doll. Ah, uh, okay. So, in the middle of this vote, a massive explosion goes off putting the fear of God into most TDs who vote to back the government. So... Flanagan was one of the few who refused. (laughs) Wait,
0: so Flanagan was like a unionist?
2: No, uh, so Flanagan basically said, I'm not going to allow these new evidence standards in, despite the fact that unionists had bombed Dublin, literally the moment that the vote was going on.
0: Why would they bomb Dublin? Seems like they should be bombing the North.
2: Uh, well, let's just say it's quite handy that a bomb would go off in the middle of a vote that was going to fail potentially. Ah,
0: yeah, okay.
1: Watch that, but it also might have sent a message like, uh, if you if like if you try to fuck with Northern Ireland,
2: like we'll like we won't only hit back, like we'll go like we'll hit where it hurts. Yeah, but yeah, like loyalists um just loved bombing Dublin in the seventies was their favorite thing to
0: loyalists do. Loyalists is in people who wanted uh, the. British yes, rule.
2: Okay. Yeah, uh, the ones who were heavily tied in with British intelligence, those guys.
0: Wait, they were doing. I didn't realize they had, like, they were doing terrorism in Ireland. I thought they were only doing terrorism in the north.
2: Yeah, they, they were doing it everywhere, the north and south. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I should read more about the But problems. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And yeah, the uh, after this vote, after that bombing, uh, new elections are held. And for the first time in 16 years, Fianna Fáil lose. And so. Next time, we'll talk about the new Finnegan Labour Coalition and Flanagan's role in it. All right.
0: Pretty insane that Flanagan still voted. So he, he killed that bill?
2: Uh, no, that bill passed because basically um, everyone else was terrified out of their souls by the bombing. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they voted for it. And Flanagan was one of the few who doggedly said, I don't care. I'm not voting for this.
0: Rare good thing he did. I know, yeah. You know what they say about broken clocks? They're anti Semitic and... twice a day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. But yeah. That and, was a joke. And like that particular vote is something that's brought up later as like one of the big negative things about him that the Irish press says. Like, oh, I can't believe he voted to not make it so make the police it's... can just
0: lie and say you're a terrorist based on nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's crazy.
2: But yeah. Here we are, 1973, and uh, a new Fine Gael government.
0: All right, join us next time for the conclusion of the epic Oliver J. Flanagan saga. Signing off. I'm Gabe. I'm Rose. And I'm guest Thomas. Thanks so much. All right, listener. See you next week, and have a good day.